Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. The Lord bless you. I want to invite you, if you would, to open your Bibles with me. Amen. To the record of the New Testament church. Amen. The book of Acts is the only book that really doesn't have punctuation on it. The majority of the books of the Bible end with the word amen, which means so be it. It's done. It's finished. If you look at the end of the book of Acts, there's no punctuation on it. There's no ending point. And I believe that is because the book of Acts is still being written. I believe over the thousands of years since the last written record in the book of Acts, there have been people doing great exploits for the Lord. Churches doing wonderful works for God, and the book of Acts is still being written. Amen? And I want to just draw from one particular passage Amen. Here is recorded in the book of Acts, beginning in verse, uh, chapter 16, beginning in verse 16. And as you're turning there, if you don't have a Bible or a device today to find it on, we invite you on the screen. It is uh, the three verses that we're going to lift today from this passage are there. I do want to mention, uh, thank you to Brother Simpkins, who is over our campus, the upkeep of our campus. Amen. I don't know if you all noticed today, but when you drove in, that sign looks a whole lot better than the old sign. Amen, and I know that's been a work in progress that Brother Simpkins has been uh, laboring toward pushing the contractors that were doing the work, and we still got some lighting we're going to be putting on it, but I want to say thank you to Brother Simpkins, and if you if you did notice that one, you may not have noticed the sign above the door as you walk in, on that little kind of, uh, I don't know what, uh, the little triangle, what is it? Little, yeah, there's a circle, but it's inside of a triangle, what's that triangle called? walkway, entryway, we'll just call it that. Inside of the entryway into the church, there's a, our logo is now up there. Neither one of those were there last Sunday, and both of those, Brother Simpkins worked very hard to get in place. So let's just give Brother Simpkins a hand clap right now. Thank you for all of his work. Amen. Amen. The book of Acts, chapter 16 and verse 16, and it came to pass as we went to prayer. Certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying or fortune telling. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. The Bible says he came, out of, he came out of her the same hour. I want to read the 18th version from the Amplified Version of the Bible. The Bible speaks of this demon-possessed damsel that she did this for many days. Then Paul, being sorely annoyed and worn out, turned and said to the spirit which was in her, I charge you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very moment. Amen. It came out that very moment. I want to preach for 
I don't know. I'm not going to lock myself into a time today for a little while on this thought. What kind of tired are you? Ask your neighbor, what kind of tired are you? Amen. What kind of tired are you? Ask somebody behind you, what kind of tired are you? Amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated as long as you promise not to sleep on me. I don't care what kind of tired you are. Just stay awake for a few minutes. Amen. I do want to do this today. Before we dive into the preaching, I want to say a special welcome to my friend Sam. We were high school classmates together. It's so good to see Sam here today. Amen. God bless you, Sam. Glad to have you here. Amen. And I do want to encourage you, uh, as we were honored today to welcome these families uh, as members in fellowship here at Living Hope, and we've got a couple more families that in a few more weeks we're going to be welcoming them as, as members in fellowship. If you're here today and you're new to Living Hope and you want to uh, be a member here at Living Hope, I want to encourage you today before you leave that room there in the center back, if you'll visit that room, they'll get you signed up for that class and we want to get you involved here at Living Hope. Amen? Living Hope, before I preach today, can we just let all of our guests and the new members of Living Hope, there you go, let them know we're glad they're here today and we love them. Amen. We're, we're so honored to be able to join you on this journey. Amen. 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 What kind of tired are you? As a child, I learned that there are varying degrees to the term, I'm tired of it. For example, if my dad walked into the house and announced that he was about tired of our shenanigans, we knew that it would be in our best interest to slow our go. We knew that the announcement that he was about tired of it meant that there was still a little bit of wiggle room between mercy and miffed, between grace and gone crazy. And then there was, I am tired of it. And when the statement was made that dad was tired of it, or mom for that account, either one, it didn't matter, but mercy had left the building and grace was gone. It meant that dad was contemplating repercussions and consequences that were not going to be in our favor. This wasn't the end of the world, but it was right on the edge. If our actions were abated immediately, we could escape without our feelings and our posteriors hurt. And then there was the apex of the progression on the spectrum of how tired one can be. When the declaration was made that dad was sick and tired of it, it was game over. Run for cover. The statement was announcement that this invisible line between David Banner and the Incredible Hulk had been reached. The threshold of his patience had been exhausted. When it was announced that dad was sick and tired of our rooms not being clean, within moments vacuum cleaners were humming. And from three houses down, you could smell the scent of pine saw wafting through the air. Ask your neighbor, what kind of tired are you? I preach today to a congregation that is the target of the adversary's taunts and the object of his attack. I came today not to ask you or plead with you, but to tell you that your family is in the devil's crosshairs. That your marriage is not around the target, your marriage is his target. The destruction of your children is the devil's desire, and the desolation of your soul is his delight. 
It's time for us to graduate from being about tired of it to being sick and tired of it. Amen. I'm not about tired. I'm fed up with the devil's games. I'm fed up with the devil robbing me of my worship. I'm fed up with the devil stealing away my joy. I'm fed up with the devil taking my peace. Somebody, before you leave here today, you need to tap the devil on the shoulder and let him know exactly what kind of tired you are. This morning, I want to bring some context to the passage that we read in Acts chapter 16. As we read the larger setting surrounding this passage of Scripture, we would find in the previous chapter of Acts chapter 15 that in verses 40 and 41, that two men by the name of Paul and Silas have been commissioned by the apostles to go on a missionary trip. And the purpose of this missionary trip is to strengthen the churches. And we proceed on into the first three verses of the 16th chapter. And we find that as Paul and Silas have come to Derby and Lystra, and there Paul is engaged in conversation with a young man named Timothy. And Paul invites Timothy to join Paul and Silas on their missionary trip. And then we find there's kind of a change in the tone of the narrative in the 10th verse of Acts chapter 16. And here, the author of the book of Acts, the Apostle Luke, he goes from writing in the third person about Paul and Silas and their journey, and he begins to write in the first person. It's us and we rather than them and they, letting us know that now Luke has also joined them on their missionary trip. And so now we have the quartet of Paul, Silas, Timothy and Luke, and they are progressing in this mission to strengthen the churches. And as they continue their mission to strengthen the churches, we find in Acts 16 and 12, they come to Philippi, and there the Bible tells us they baptize a woman by the name of Lydia, a woman that has much influence in the community, and the Bible tells us that they baptize Lydia and her entire household. And so as we're progressing through this passage, we are led to understand that momentum is building. Their ministry is proving to be effective. Lives are being changed and salvation is being experienced. And then we come to verse 16. And the Bible says kind of an interruption in the momentum that is building when it says, and it came to pass as we went. The New American Standard Bible phrases that statement there it says it happened as we were going right in the middle of them obeying a divine directive right in the middle of their righteous cause they're on a mission to strengthen the churches they've just baptized Lydia and her entire household and to put a cherry on top the Bible tells us that they are on their way to pray I want to interrupt the passages of Scripture today and interject this thought from our reading today that it never fails that it, it whatever it may be, is going to happen. It is going to happen when you make up your mind, I'm going to do something spiritual. You may go months without any kind of adversity in your world, and the moment you make up in your mind, our family, we're going to be faithful to the house of God, I promise you something is going to go wrong. When you finally make up your mind to be faithful to the house of God, a water pipe is going to bust. 
when you finally make up in your mind that you're going to be a worshiper, somebody is going to steal your seat when you were down front worshiping. It's going to happen. When you put your foot down to decide that we're going to be faithful in our tithing and giving to the work of God, the IRS is going to send you a letter in the mail about tax issues three years ago. Because it always happens as you go. Amen. As they went to pray, a damsel possessed by demons meets them as they go. When you involve yourself in spiritual endeavors, you can expect spiritual experiences. Amen. I'm going to slow down a little bit and say that again because you need to catch that. When you involve yourself in spiritual endeavors as they went, as they went in this missionary journey, as they went into uh, the Philippi and they baptized Lydia and, and they baptized her household. And now as they are going to the house of prayer to pray, they're, they're pursuing spiritual things. And what happens and unfolds is a spiritual encounter because spiritual experiences only come to those that are pursuing spiritual endeavors. I'll give you further evidence in Acts chapter 3 when Peter and John, the Bible says they are on their way to the temple to pray and they walk through the gate beautiful and when they walk through that gate, there's a lame man that is laying there begging alms but when he sets his eyes on Peter and John and he asks them for alms, it was on their way to pray that they intercede for a man that was broken and Peter looks back at the man and says, silver and gold have I none but such as I, it only happens when you're in pursuit of spiritual things if you want God to do something spiritual in your life then you've got to pursue after spiritual endeavors And the Bible says Peter took the lame man by the hand and raised him up. And what was a lame man walked and leaped and praised God entering into the temple. It didn't happen on the way to Walmart. Yeah, hallelujah. I don't want to preach with me today. That didn't happen on the way to Target. All right, maybe that was the problem. Some of you all aren't Target or aren't Walmart. It didn't happen. It didn't happen on the way to the ball game. It didn't happen on the way to Longhorn. It happened on the way to prayer. Spiritual things happen in our life when we are in the middle of pursuing spiritual things. Let, let, me, let me bring us forward to Acts chapter 16, verse 13, just prior to where we have gathered our text from. And, and I touched on it just a moment in the, in the place of the scripture where they baptized Lydia. The Bible lets us know that this spiritual encounter with Lydia and her household comes when Paul and Silas are on their way and Luke and Timothy are on their way to pray. Amen. Again, spiritual things happen to those that are pursuing spiritual endeavors. Spiritual endeavors produce spiritual experiences. Listen, there is no generation of Joseph who dreams of being mightily used of God if there is not first a Jacob generation that's willing to wrestle with God. I want to preach to the, some parents this morning. If you want your children to be spiritual, then you've got to be spiritual. If you want your children to do something in the kingdom of God, then you've got to be doing something in the kingdom of God.
And many times we want God to do spiritual things in our lives while we're pursuing carnal, carnal appetite. It's not going to happen. If you want spiritual experience, then you've got to be about spiritual endeavors. I wonder if anybody came today to do something spiritual. I wonder if anybody came today for a move of God. But it happened as they were on their way to prayer. Let's read on about these spiritual experiences that, that come when we involve ourselves in spiritual experiences because everybody's excited now. But let me tell you about what spiritual occurrences happened as a result of their spiritual pursuit. Let's go down to verse 22. As a result of their going to pray and this encounter with this woman, which we're going to dive into further in a moment, but the outcome of this spiritual encounter tells us the multitude rose up together against Paul and Silas, and the magistrate stripped them of the magistrate stripped them of their clothes and commanded everyone to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into the prison. I told you, spiritual things happen to those that are pursuing spiritual things. Amen. If you want a spiritual experience, and then I go and tell you that if you'll pursue spiritual things, here's going to be the result. They're going to strip you of your clothes. They're going to command people to beat you. They're going to put stripes on you, and they're going to cast you into prison. And everybody's like, that's why I'm okay with being carnal. Pastor, you just solidified me why I'm so happy being carnal. But don't stop reading because the story's not over. Paul and Silas didn't just get stripped of their clothing and beaten and cast into prison. If you keep reading the story at midnight, they began to sing praises unto God. And by the time their praise service was over, every captive in the prison had been liberated and loosed. If you will pursue spiritual things, God will loose people around you. I'm not saying there won't be opposition, but there will be authority and there will be power. Not just that, but the Bible tells us that before the story is over, Paul and Silas baptized the Philippian jailer and his entire household. The very people that were responsible for their imprisonment were the people that they baptized. Listen, it's time for us to start pursuing spiritual things. Now, I know there's a... There's a percentage of our society that thinks church is a social thing, that going to church on Sunday morning is, is a moral thing that people do and put the little check in the block for their moral obligation, uh, or it's something that you do, amen, as part of a social clique that you can be a part, but not here at Living Hope. We're not a social gathering, uh, amen. This is an immoral obligation. Uh, this is a spiritual pursuit. We came together for one reason, and that is a move of God. Somebody ought to do something spiritual today. You ought to lift your voice and give God praise. You ought to clap your hands and, hey, because something spiritual will happen when you pursue spiritual things. We used to sing it like this. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. Oh, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. 
I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 You ought to turn to your neighbor and say, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to pursue something spiritual. I, I came for a move of God. I, I came for a visitation. I'm not playing church today. I'm not here for a social, uh, a social clause. I'm here today for a move of God. Hallelujah. Spiritual things happen in the midst of spiritual pursuits. The Bible says in the 16th verse, and it came to pass as Luke writes, we went to prayer. Everybody say, we went. A certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Notice the Bible says that not only is this damsel possessed, and the word possessed means to be under the control of, and not only is she possessed or under the control of a spirit, but she's also under the control of her masters. And the Bible says they are greatly profiting from her possession. Amen. The spirit of divination is a spirit that gave that woman the ability to predict the future. Now, I wasn't really predicting the future. It was familiar spirits that had been watching the people and reporting back to this demon that was inside of this woman. And based upon the information, amen, the intel, if you would, she was giving some sort of a projection that was gathered from the dark spirit world. But the Bible lets us know this woman had perfected her possession. You know there's people that are good at sin? I mean, they're not just sinners, they're good at sin. Amen. It's not like they sin on Friday night. They really sin on Friday night. I mean, they, 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 live, they live for the devil with everything they've got. You know what I found about those people? When they finally get loose, they make really good Christians. Amen. They make really good followers of Jesus Christ. Because they don't come to the church to play games. They come. Amen. They said, if I live for the devil with everything I got, I'm going to live for Jesus with everything I got. The only thing standing between some of you all and you being really good Christians is you need to be loosed and liberated. You need to be set free from what is binding you. The William Larkin commentary describes this woman as being twice bound. Even if she wanted to be delivered, there were people in her world that her deliverance would have meant their demise. Her body, listen to me today. Some of you are toning, toning out. I know that, don't take that, that title too literal. Like, you're like, I'm tired of listening to you. That's not, all right, that ain't an option today. All right, listen to me because I want to help some of you today because some of you in this building are twice bound. It's not just the spirit world that's binding you. It's relationships you are engaged in that are binding you. Even if you wanted to get loose from the spirit that has you in captivity, you wouldn't be able to get loose from the people that have you in captivity. I got three amens and a lot of silence. Even if she wanted to be delivered, there were people in her life that her deliverance would have meant their demise. 
There are literally people, as I preach in this room today, that are twice bound. If it were just up to you, you would get victory today. But there are people in your life that you know your deliverance would mean their demise. You know that if today you really got victory, they would defriend you, unfollow you, block you, whatever they had to do because they don't want you to get loose because they are profiting from your pain. The drug dealer doesn't want you delivered from your addiction. Anybody here? I feel like I'm preaching to an empty house right now. The drug dealer doesn't want you delivered from your addiction because he's profiting from your pain. Budweiser doesn't want you to break free. That's why they pay millions of dollars for their Super Bowl advertisements because they know I've got this woman, I'm profiting from her bondage. And if she ever gets away, I don't know what I'm going to do. Hey, I'm here to help some people in this house today that are twice bound. You've got people in your world that are rejoicing over what is ruining you. And I know you may be tired of being under their control, but my question today is not, are you tired of it? My question is, what kind of tired are you? The problem is some of you are about tired of it, and so you keep coming to church week after week, and you're still bound. Some of you are tired of it, and you're right on the edge of a breakthrough, but there's a whole lot of you, you need to get sick and tired of it. And let the devil know I'm done being bound. I don't care if you block me on Facebook. I don't care if you unfollow me on Instagram. It doesn't matter. I'm sick and tired of being bound. Ask your neighbor what kind of, are you tired enough to get up and give God praise? Are you tired enough to raise your hands? I know you're tired enough to come to church, but how tired of it are you? Pastor, I'm tired enough of the devil messing with my marriage to ask you to pray for it, but are you tired enough for you to pray for it? you what kind of tired are you pharmaceutical company don't want you getting well every time you walk in the doctor's office cha-ching there goes that copay now go down to CVS cha-ching get that prescription filled they don't want you loose they don't but, but, but what kind of tired? let me tell you Jesus is a healer but you gotta get tired of being bound some of you don't believe me right now. Why? Because you're twice possessed. You're bound by a spirit and you're bound by men. I wish somebody do something radical right now. Just to let the devil know what kind of tired you are. Get out of my marriage. Get off of my children. Get out of my finances.
Come on. The victory is in your hands. All you've got to do is speak the name. Come on, some of you that are double bound, it's time for you to get a double deliverance. Loose yourself from that spirit and loose yourself from those people. I'm fed up with it. I'm tired of every time I get a little victory on Sunday, I go right back to those same people and they put me right back in chains. I'm tired of being double bound. I tell you, the first deliverance is not hard for God. It ain't nothing for God to loose you from that spirit. Just ca- Paul just simply said the word and immediately the spirit came out of that one. It's not a hard thing for God to, to rebuke that spirit of infirmity. He gave us a name that every, every spirit, every demon in this world is under the authority of the name of Jesus. It's not hard. The first addiction, the first bondage in our lives is easy. It's the second one that we struggle with. You need today a deliverance of the Holy Ghost. That's the first deliverance. And the second deliverance that you need is a deliverance of a made-up mind. You need deliverance from the addiction, and you also need deliverance from your enablers. Come on, help me preach for just a few minutes. Some of you know. Some of you know what it's like to get victory on Sunday, but you know there are certain places that if you go back to those places, you're going right back into the same bondage you were in before. The problem isn't the power of the Holy Ghost. The the problem is your your determination. You've got to cut some relationships, and you're not sure if you're willing to do that or not. If you want a double deliverance, I want you to raise your hands right now. I'm not finished preaching, but the Holy Ghost is in this house. It ain't got nothing to do with Jason. It's got everything to do with Jesus. I don't care what you're bound by. I don't care if it's an addiction, alcoholism, drug addiction, pornography. It doesn't matter what the addiction. Amen. The name of Jesus is greater than your addiction. Amen. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the authority of the Word of God, in the name of Jesus, I speak a loosing in this building to every captive. Every one of you that are bound, I speak over you the name of Jesus. But my question is, what kind of tired are you? Because if you're not sick and tired of it, you'll run right back to your enablers. You'll go right back to the people that have you bound. Be seated for a moment. The Bible says the same. Speaking of this demon vexed and possessed woman followed Paul and us. Everybody say and us. And cried saying... Man, doesn't this sound, I mean, this sounds like some good worship. This is a good worship song. Brother Wilson, write a song off of this one. Somebody text Brother Wilson and say him to write a song off of it. These men are the servants of the Most High God. 
But show unto us the way of salvation. Amen. iTunes, here, here I come. That, I mean, that's, that's worship. That's adoration. That's praise. Her message sounds right. I mean, what is wrong with a woman who's crying out, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Listen, but here's the fact. Paul, Paul sees something that we may not see when we just read this scripture. Because the devil is smart enough to act like your friend when he needs to. Hallelujah. The devil is smart enough to know when to lay back. He's not messing with you all right now. You're in church. He's like, hey, go ahead. Get your worship on. Dance your dance. Raise your hand. He has no problem with you dancing your dance. In fact, he'll dance right next to you. Amen. There's the devil singing. I mean, I, I read this and I was like, man, the devil worships more than some saints do. Oh. I, I, I know what thin ice feels like and I just skated out onto it. Some of y'all ain't said that much in adoration unto God in years. The devil gave more. Hey, you ought to be ashamed if the devil's out worshiping you. You ought to at least throw your hands in the air and say, hey, these men are the servants of the Ain't no devil going to outpraise me. Come on, ain't no devil going to outpraise me. Hey, right now you need to let the devil know, ain't no way you're going to outpraise me. Ain't no way you're going to show up to church and outpraise me. But the devil is smart enough to act like your friend when he needs to. Because here's, the devil isn't afraid of your worship. What the devil fears is authority. The last thing the devil wants is to be put out. The last thing the devil, the devil hates nothing more than to be put out. Because the devil can only do his business when he's inhabiting something. A demon without a life to destroy is a demon without purpose. Matthew 8 and 31, Jesus cast the demons out of the men coming out of the tombs of the Gadarenes. They knew Jesus was not going to allow them to possess any person. And so what did they do? They said, at least put us in the pigs. Amen. We'd rather be in a pig than to be nowhere. I don't know about you all, but I don't want nothing to do with a pig unless it's on a plate. I ain't trying to hang out in the, in the slop with the pig. But those evil spirits said we'd rather be in a pig than have no. we got to have something we can destroy. we got to have something we can devour. And so the devil will pretend that he's on your side to keep from you putting him where he belongs, which is under your feet. Several years ago, I was, I think a teenager at the time, but I was participant mostly as a listener on a conversation with a missionary. And the missionary was a missionary to a third world country that was ravaged by poverty. And during his testimony to the church, he told a story at the story of demonic activity in their services. People would writhe on the floor like snakes, right in the middle of church. They'd rise up off the ground and levitate, their eyes rolling around. I mean, that stuff ain't Hollywood, that's real stuff. Voices that weren't theirs, a woman speaking with a man's voice. Right? Voices that weren't there speaking out of them. All kinds of demonic activity happening in these third world countries. And the question was posed to that missionaries, why don't we see that kind of activity here in America? I don't want that kind of activity. But anyway, it was an interesting conversation. He was, his response was, the devil doesn't need to act out like that. 
He said the worst thing the devil could do is act out like that in America and reveal himself. He said in America there are people bound and don't even know it. The devil's best game is to just stay invisible. The worst thing the devil could do right now is cause your neighbor to lift up off the ground. Because if he did that, some of you run to the altar. And so he said he keeps you bound by NFL and NBA and Major League and and, and money and, and careers and pursuits. And, and the devil says, why do I need you to writhe around like a snake? I've already got you. Hey, I came to ask you today, what kind of tired are you? The devils in your life know how to act right when they need to. That's why your neighbor's not, eyes ain't flicking around their head right now. That's why we don't have that happen every Sunday because the devil doesn't need The devil is more than willing to sit back on Sunday morning as long as you will sit back the rest of the week. I can just see him in the recliner in church eating potato chips while you're worshiping. Go ahead, do your thing. I know what you're going to do on Monday. You're coming right back home to daddy on Tuesday. Go ahead, get your worship on and act like you've got victory because I know the reality is you're bound and possessed. Amen. And the last thing, I go ahead and act like you've got victory. But if you want to really get victory, you need to let the devil know I'm sick and tired of it. I'm taking authority. I'm taking authority over my children. I'm taking authority over my marriage. Parents, it's time to stop letting the devil blend in in your home. know that you may be tired of the devil pretending to, your, to be your pal, acting like he's subdued on Sunday only to wreck your world Monday through Friday. I know that you may be tired of it, but my question today is not are you tired of it, but what kind of tired are you? Are you tired enough to start praying in the name of Jesus? Dad and mom, are you tired enough to get up in the middle of the night and walk in the bedroom and plead the blood of Jesus? I know I'm probably, some of you really are getting tired of me preaching because you came for a patty Pentecostal sermon on a Sunday morning. I'm not here today to patty cake you. I'm here today to tell you, you better get sick and tired. Get your hands off my children. Get your hands off my marriage. I'm not going to stop worshiping until you do. I'm not going to stop praising until you do. Come on, you got to get sick and tired of it. You got to get fed up with it. Mama, you ought to stand up and start interceding over your babies. You ought to stand up right now and pray in the name of Jesus. Some of you, the most tired you get is calling me and saying, Pastor, will you pray for my baby? You need to get beyond that, and you need to start praying yourself for your baby. You need to start interceding in the Holy Ghost. Come on, you need to get a hold of God.
well, I, I really wish I could get loose from them, this addiction. And then you sit there all worship service long and never even clap your hands. You ain't tired of it. No, no, no. You're not tired of it. You're just saying what you know people need to hear you say. You're not tired of it. When you're really tired of it, they won't be able to shut your worship up. When you're really tired of what the devil is doing, you won't need a prayer meeting to be called to intercede. You're going to intercede because your baby, his eternity is on the line. Oh, the devil comes. Oh, I'm your buddy. I, I got Netflix here to help you raise your child. I mean, I'm your buddy. I mean, don't, you know, don't pay nothing, no attention to all those ulterior lifestyles that are on there. That's just the way things are going. I'm your buddy. I, would, I wouldn't hurt you. This is educational. Listen, there's stuff being taught in our education that is at opposition with the Word of God. I'm not against education. You need to get educated. But when, when education bucks up against the Word of God, guess who wins? But the problem is the church isn't sick and tired of it. The problem is we come to church on Sunday and we let them indoctrinate our children on Monday. Hey, you better get sick and tired of it. Get your hands off my children. Netflix, get your influence off my children. All right, last verse. And this, pretending to be on Paul's side, pretending to be an advocate of the spiritual and the righteous, did she many days. Everybody say, but Paul, being grieved. The Amplified Version says, sorely annoyed and worn out, easily translate to sick and tired. Paul, being sick and tired of it, turns and says to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ. See, the problem is we, we want to be polite to the devil. Please, devil. Devil, please stop messing with my children's mind. Devil, we'll make a deal. I'll, I'll give them three hours on Netflix, and then we'll do a 30-minute Bible study. We'll make a deal. Mm. I'm, out, I'm really on. Th I may not have anybody to preach to next Sunday. Devil, we'll make a deal. I let them go eight hours to a school where they're going to be indoctrinated with alternative lifestyles and all that mess, and I'll talk to them about you for 20 minutes when they get back home. I'll talk to them about Jesus for 20 minutes. Hey, can we make it? No, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ. I've got the authority here. I'm in control here. I'm in charge here. You don't have to ask the devil's permission. You need to command him in the name of Jesus Christ. We're not making any deals. Get out of my home. Get out of my family. Get away from my children. Uh, day after day, this damsel under the control of an evil spirit and the control of profiting masters follows Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, shouting out that these men are the most high God of the most high God, and they show unto us the way of salvation. Finally, the Bible says 
Paul had enough. Sick and tired. Paul is sick and tired of it. But there's something in that text that troubles me, Brother Jones. Because there's four of them there, but only one of them gets sick and tired of it. There's four of them there that got the same Holy Ghost Paul's got, but only one of them has enough courage to step up and say something. It's, it's a problem when you're in the minority in the church for preaching the word of God. It's a problem. Listen to me for a minute. It's a problem when the pastor starts talking about our children being indoctrinated and some of you want to climb on the board of education's bandwagon again, opposing the preaching of the word of God. I'm not saying we need to go out and do some strike and hold up picket signs against the Board of Education. You know what we need to do? We need to pray. We need to intercede. We need to intercede that God would intervene in what's going on in our high schools and in our middle school. Hey, you need to get some courage. It shouldn't have just been Paul. It should have been four of them. It shouldn't be 25% of the church worshiping on Sunday. It shouldn't be 50% of the church worshiping on Sunday. It should be 100%. It should be everybody in the house. It shouldn't be dad praying for the children but not mom. It shouldn't be mom praying but not dad. It should be everybody. the only one sick enough to say something. Paul is the only one fed up enough to say enough is enough. Get out of here, devil. And the reason you don't have breakthrough is because you're not tired enough. You aren't annoyed enough. As long as you're willing to do the old one step forward on Sunday, two steps back on Monday, the devil is just fine with playing that game too. Because basic math tells me you're losing in that game. The problem is in the church today, we aren't annoyed enough. We're content with good worship on Sunday and a good sermon from the preacher. But we're not content with authority in our homes. We're not hungry enough to get victory in our homes. We're not hungry enough for our children to be liberated. And so I've come to ask you today, what is it going to take for you to say enough is enough? I'm asking some of you twice-bound folk here today, what's it going to take for you to get rid of your enablers? What's it going to take for you to tell the drug dealer, stop coming to my home? Tell Budweiser, lose my address. Take my card off your file. Hey, hey, bartender, forget my name. Forget you ever knew me because I'm not coming back here any longer. How bad do things have to get? How much does the devil have to rob you of? How broken does your marriage have to get before you get tired of it? How broken and busted does your mind and spirit need to become before you, not your pastor, not your church leader, not your spouse, but you say, that's it, I'm tired of it. I'm finished letting the devil in my home. I'm tired of making excuses, and now I'm going to get committed in my worship. What's it going to take? How much more does the devil have to rob from you before you get sick and tired and say enough is enough? 
I can't afford to do a little casual hand clap on Sunday. This little two-step cute worship on Sunday. That that ain't doing it. You know it's not doing it. You've been trying that and you're still as bound as you ever were. What you need to do is get a radical worship. What you need to do is get a radical praise. What kind of tired are you? Come on, it's time to roll up our sleeves. It's time to roll up our sleeves and say, I've had enough. I've had enough. I'm tired of the devil messing around with my family. I'm tired of the devil messing around with my family. It's time to roll up my sleeves. I'm almost done. The Bible says that this spirit that is possessing this this woman was the spirit of divination. The Greek word that is used there for divination is the word pythona. Or as we would say it, it's the spirit of python. It's exactly what it means if you study it out. It's a spirit of python that is wrapped around this woman. If we study out this, why was it called the spirit of python? There are many reasons why this spirit was given this particular name. But if you know anything about pythons, they're not venomous snakes. They aren't serpents that kill with a sudden strike and the piercing of a venomous fang. No, the python is a patient predator. Their kill is not instantaneous. Rather, it is a prolonged process. Slowly, they seducingly wrap themselves around their prey. And then slowly, they begin to constrict themselves. And they squeeze the life and the breath out of their prey. They use their strength and their force. They literally squeeze their life out of their prey. And this woman was bound by a spirit. And Paul recognized, if I don't say something now, this spirit is going to squeeze the life out of that lady. If I don't say something now. That spirit is going to squeeze the life out of my prayer meeting if I don't say something now. And some of you are playing games with a spirit of python that is wrapped around your children and is wrapped around your marriage and is wrapped around your family. And if you don't say something now, if you don't say something now, If you, you better stop waiting for the worship team to sing your favorite song, and you better give God praise now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I feel the Spirit of God in this place. Somebody right now, you need to make up in your mind before it's too late. You better start interceding before it's too late. Oh, pastor, it's okay. My baby's just going through a phase right now. They'll be all right. No, they won't be all right. There's a python around him. And every day that goes by without you interceding, they're falling more and more and more in love with this world. The longer you put up with it, the more paralyzing the squeeze. The more you tolerate it, the tighter. 
the grip of this world. Some of your kids can't even comprehend what I'm preaching right now because their very spiritual minds have been squeezed out of them. And parents sit by reluctantly. Well, I'm about tired of it, Pastor. Sorry, about tired of it ain't changing the game. If right now in the physical realm, you looked over and a python had begun to ravel its way around your child, begun to wrap its body around your marriage, begun to weave its way into your family, I believe every one of you would rise up and you would do whatever you had to do to take authority over that spirit. But unfortunately in the spirit realm, some of you don't have the same urgency. And you sit back and let the pastor try to preach your children out of hell. You sit back and let the prayer warriors try to intercede your babies out of hell. I want to tell you, you better wake up and you better cry on Jesus. And you better start interceding. And you better take authority. And you better take control. I command thee in the name of Jesus. I'm not waiting until it's 2 o'clock in the morning and I get a text message that my baby's incarcerated because they were intoxicated behind the wheel. I'm not waiting until that moment happens. I'm going to get a hold of God right now. Come on, living hope, what kind of tired are you? Some of you are content to let the devil pretend he's your pal. Why you go through the charades of Sunday morning worship, but all along you know that the enemy is squeezing the life out of you. All along you know the enemy is God himself wrapped around your marriage. All along you know the enemy is dragging your children off the pews of this church. Amen. It's time to stop playing games and going through the motions. It's time to stop being about tired of it, and it's time to get sick and tired of it. December the 1st, 1955, after a long day's work at the Montgomery Fair Department store, Rosa Parks boarded a bus on Cleveland Avenue in downtown Montgomery, Alabama. She paid her fare and sat in an empty seat in the first row of the back section reserved for the colored section. As the bus traveled along its regular route, all the white-only seats on the bus filled up. The bus reached its third stop at the Empire Theater and several white passengers boarded. Following standard practice for that day, the bus driver, James Blake, noted that the front of the bus had filled up with white passengers and two or three white passengers were standing. And so he moved the sign that separated the segregated seating and moved to Mrs. Parks and the three sitting beside her and demanded that they get up and surrender their seats so the white passengers could sit down. Years later, in recalling the events of that day, Park said, when the driver stepped back toward us, when he waved his hand and ordered us out of our seats, I felt a determination come over me like a quilt on a winter night. 
By Park's account, the driver said, y'all better make it easy on yourself and let them have those seats. She said, three of us complied. Parks went on and said that the driver continued to compel her and said, if you don't, I'm going to call the police. The police were called. She later said, I knew that as I was being arrested, that it was the very last time I would ever ride in any humiliation of this kind. In her autobiography entitled My Story, Mrs. Parks said this about her motivation. She said, people always say that I didn't give up my seat because I, they say I gave up my seat because I was tired. But that isn't true. She said, I wasn't any more tired physically than any other day. She said, yeah, it was a long working day, but I wasn't any more tired than normal. She said, they tried to depict me as some old lady. She said, I was only 42. I wasn't that tired. She said, no, the only kind of tired I was was tired of giving in. I came today to ask somebody in this place today, what kind of tired are you? It's time to let the enemy know I'm tired of you pushing me around. Come on, it's time to say to that spirit of Python, get your hands off my children. I've had enough. I've had enough of the devil attacking our families, attacking our churches, attacking our homes, attacking our cities. Yet all across our nation, prayer rooms are silent. Oh, I, I, I drove to the mall yesterday, Brother Jones, and I couldn't find a parking spot. It wasn't even Christmas. And yet still folks are not coming back to church because of COVID. Whatever, think what you want there. But ain't nobody got a problem getting to the mall on Saturday. Why is it? Because we're just not tired enough. Oh, we're about tired, and so we let the enemy babysit our children. We're about tired of it, and so we give God a, a half-hearted praise. We're about tired of it, and so we think about coming to the altar on Sunday. But when you get sick and tired of it, amen, Paul turned to that woman, and he said, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out. And the Bible says, in that moment, <laughs> musicians come. I want to invite us to come to this altar to pray. You bring your family right now. Some of you need to run to this altar because the spirit of Python is woven its way into your world. Love for God that used to be there is dwindling. The very breath and the life that God once breathed into you is being squeezed out of you. And some of you need to come to this altar today because you're twice bound. It's not just the spirit that has you bound, but there are people. Listen, listen, I'm, I know what I'm saying today in the Holy Ghost. There are people that if you would loose yourself from relationships in your life, you would be free. You would be victorious. Because I, you, I'm not, you do get victory on Sunday. I'm not questioning the authenticity of your victory. The problem is you're twice bound. And so one victory isn't enough because you're still bound. Listen, at this altar, you need to make up your mind. It's over. I'm say, Masters, I'm sorry. I know I used to bring profit to you, but I'm done with you. I'm not coming back to you. Hey, you're going to have to find somebody else to get pleasure from their pain. You're going to have to find somebody else to benefit from their bond. Listen, dude, if you think that girl can't find somebody else, you're sadly mistaken. You think too much of yourself. She probably already got somebody else and you just don't know it yet. Come on. 
You say, Pastor, that's not fair. Listen, if they don't have a mind to serve God, there ain't nothing impossible. There ain't nothing this human spirit can't do with God not in the mix. Well, I'm worried they won't be able to get up and go on. Listen, you ain't Jesus. You ain't Messiah. She'll be all right. Best thing that could happen is she come find Jesus for herself. But the problem is as long as Python is wrapped around you, ain't neither one of you finding Jesus. So I need some parents at this altar today to get sick and tired of it. Some of you want to be your, your baby's best friend. You, you want to be in your child's yearbook picture with them. Most cool parent ever, right? And God didn't call you to be most cool parent ever. He called you to be their protector. He called you to be the intercessor in their world. He called you to pray over them. Listen, I'm asking somebody today, how tired are you? What kind of tired? So I'm asking us right now to let intercession enter into this room. I'm asking some of you that the enemy has you bound. Some of you, the enemy has wrapped himself around you, and you know he's squeezing the very life out of you. You, you need to get desperate because if you don't get deliverance now, it's not going to get better. The longer you wait, the tighter his grip is going to get. The longer you keep playing games, the more paralyzing his squeeze is going to be. The devil is not your buddy. Some of you, the devil has seduced you into thinking he's your friend. Everything he's telling you sounds like a really good message. The devil is not your friend. He's not your buddy. He wants nothing more than to drag your children into a devil's hell. He wants nothing more than for your marriage to disintegrate on the altar of demon sacrifice. That's it. Let your voices rise. I need you today. Don't just be about tired of it. I don't need you today to play Pentecostal charades and act like you're a little tired of it. I need you to get fed up. your children begin to pray in the name of Jesus. 
You don't have to scream and spit like I do. Your, your kids are going to wonder what spirit got into you. It doesn't have to be that. Just simply praying over them in Jesus' name. I plead the blood of Jesus over my children. I speak to every spirit of Python that might be at work to squeeze the life out of my children. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to leave my children. That's it. That's it, parents. You've got the authority. The devil is not superior in rank to you. You are a son of God. You are a child of God. You have the authority. The best thing your child could ever have is not a pastor that prays over them, but a parent that prays over them. The best spouse your wife could ever have is not a pastor that intercedes for her, but a husband that intercedes for her. I command you in the name of Jesus to come out. I command every unclean spirit in the name of Jesus to come out. I command every evil spirit that has been influenced by Hollywood to come out in Jesus' name. Come on, Dad, you don't have to know how to pray. Like the Apostle Paul prayed, all you got to do is have enough courage to call on Jesus. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus.